I thought I would start out today with a statement that I think most of us, most of us could agree on. And uh, it'll go downhill from there. But most of us can agree on this. I like ice cream. Anybody with me on this? Ice cream? Okay, yeah. Yeah, I know some of y'all don't and you like you're lactose intolerant or whatever. And I'm just telling you, I would just have to die. And, and every once in a while, somebody would go, oh, they've got that, that dairy-free ice cream. Um, and I've tried that. And it... Like, I've never tasted poo, but that's got to be close. And so I love ice cream. I, I think God wanted us in this location because Brewster's is right over there, and it's just, it's just God. So, and it's never too cold. Like, in January, February, I'll be like, let's go get some ice cream, and friends will be like, it's too cold. It's never too cold for ice cream, just like it's never too hot for coffee. Never, like, hot, hot coffee. Those of y'all drinking your Frappuccinos... It's not coffee. It's a milkshake. Go to Brewster's. Get the same thing. Let's pray and go home. Anyway, so I love, I love ice cream. It's, it's good. It's good for you, I think, because it's got, like, eggs and butter in it, so it's good for you. I like ice cream. Now, put that right here. I also like bacon. Love bacon. Love bacon. I know we got a vegan. Oh, what about the animals? He tastes good, all right? I love <laughs> Bacon. I love going to the Waffle House, getting the All-Star Special. I get three slices of bacon. I don't want crispy bacon. I want wiggly bacon. You know what I'm talking about? That's the way I like my bacon. So I like bacon, and I like ice cream. So with that in mind, I went to a friend's house, and uh, she's one of those people, her and her husband, one of those people, if they say, can you come to dinner, the answer is yes. It doesn't matter what you have scheduled. Cancel a kidney operation. I mean, you just go to their house. And so I went to their house. Dinner was amazing, and they always make dessert because if you ask the pastor to come to your house and you don't make dessert, he will question your salvation. So I went, and I'm sitting there, and I said, so what's for dessert tonight? And she said, oh, I made something. Um, now, you're just going to have to work with me here, but just listen to me. I'm, I made bacon ice cream. And my first, well, my first thought was not something that I would express out loud, but I was like, oh, dear God. Because I like bacon and I like ice cream, but the, they don't go together. Like, I'm not going to Brewster's to get a bacon sandwich, and I'm not going to Waffle House to get a brownie sundae. Like, I, I, they just don't go together. And so what I wanted to tell her was, ain't no way I'm eating bacon ice cream, but I trust her. And I said, well, I mean... I mean, just, I, I'm, let's, 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 let's do it. You know, I just went tone low, and, and so she, she scoops out a bunch in a bowl, and I'm like, oh, God. I'm telling y'all, it's the most amazing ice cream I've ever had. What she didn't tell me was it, it was maple bacon ice cream, and it was absolutely amazing. Now, what we've done for you is as you leave today, everybody's going to get a scoop of maple. I'm just making that up, but, but you're interested. <laughs> It was, it was incredible. I never would have put those two things together. I never would have put, and I don't know how she did it. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't understand the process, but because I trusted her, because I knew who, I, I just opened myself up to the process. Now, there's all kinds of things that we could say don't go together, and we could talk about it for years. And if you've, if you've ever heard me preach, if you've been around any sort of ministry I've ever done over the past 20 or 30 years, You've heard me say this, that Christianity and politics don't go together. Don't amen. Just listen. 
Now, the reason I'm saying that is not because I don't love both of those things. I love Christianity. I, I love reading my Bible. I'm a Bible nerd. I love going. I've been to Israel 16 times, okay, and as soon as they open back up, I'll go over there again. I love touring the Holy Lands. People always ask, is it safe? Is it, have you, it's safer than Anderson. I mean, I'm just telling you all, it really is. I used to live downtown, Okay. So, so I love all things Christianity, associated with Christianity. Do, does Christianity have some dark moments? Yes, we do. I mean, we, the Crusades are a perfect example of Christians missing the point. Okay, I'm, I'm there. By the way, let me pause and say this. If I'm ever talking to you about Christianity and you go, what about the Crusades? That was like 800 years ago. Going to need you to come up with something a little bit more recent. <laughs> Nothing to do with the message. All right, so... Christian, I love Christianity and I love politics. I, just, I love studying politics. I took a political science class in college and studied how the government works or how <laughs> it's supposed to work. Anyway, I, I, I love that class and I've always loved Christianity and I've always loved politics. But as a leader in, in, the, in the church, I've always said Christianity and politics don't go together. Now, what I'm about to tell you, I don't want you to take this statement and say that I said it about another person. I'm not speaking about anybody else other than me, okay? I'm talking about me. Don't put this on another person. It's on me. Let me tell you the reason I've said for years that Christianity and politics don't go together. Here's the reason. I was a coward. Now, don't leave here and go, he, he called Billy Joe a coward. I don't, I don't even know Billy Joe, all right? I, I, I said I was a coward. Because, just, just in case you didn't know, Christianity, just, just with working with Christians in general, you're going to offend somebody every Sunday. Some people wake up and they said, I'm going to get offended today, and they show up at a church. There are people in this room, you've already been offended. You were offended on your way here, and you were looking for a reason to get offended. And you walked in, and you got offended. You, something offended. And you know those people, right? Do you know those people? Are you sitting next to one? Don't point. But like, are you sitting, like, you know, just looking to get offended. In Christianity, there's all kinds of things we can get offended. And then politics, oh, my Lord. You want to offend somebody? I'm telling y'all, just, just because I mentioned, I'm talking about mask and vaccine mandates, you, you went, what's he going to say? You, I mean, you are, you, you can't even focus on the message now because you're focused on the message for next week. It's politics. How many of you know that you can offend somebody sharing politic, political opinions with them, all right? So you mix those two together and you got a powder keg. But let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. When Jesus comes into a person's life, does he want a section of our life or does he want all of our life? Here's reality, and I heard this statement years ago, and it's something I've never forgotten. Christianity is a personal issue, but it's not a private issue. Is, is, is what Jesus has done in our lives deeply personal? Absolutely. There are people in this room, you've got personal stories about what Jesus has done in you, with you, and for you. And if you were to share your story, it would move every one of us to tears. There are people in this room, Jesus is moving in your life right now in amazing ways. And that's awesome. And it's personal. But Jesus never called us to keep Christianity a private 
issue. We are supposed to be the salt of the earth. We are supposed to be the light of the world. The gospel is the hope for all nations. In heaven, the nations come together and sing and celebrate that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I'm just telling you that for years, I was a coward because I didn't want to cross the line and offend somebody, but now I'm to the point where I am not scared to speak out on things that God has clearly called the church to speak out on. I don't want to be a church that sits in silence while our nation burns. I want to be a church that speaks the truth in love, but holds to the truth in love. Would you agree? Would you agree with me? Would you agree with me? It doesn't really matter because I'm going to say it anyway. Would you agree that if there's an out-of-control area of your life, it's probably because you've compartmentalized your life and you've kept Jesus out of that area? Like if you have out-of-control finances, it's probably because Jesus has nothing to do with your finances. If we have out-of-control relationships, it's probably because Jesus has nothing to do with our relationships. Would you say, could we all agree, no matter what political opinion, that you have, that the United States of America has completely lost its mind and is out of control, yes or no? Have we gotten gotten out of control because the church has become more involved or have we gotten out of control because people who follow Jesus have started saying about 20 or 30 years ago and even more now, now, Christians shouldn't be involved in politics. How's that working for our nation? How's that working for us? Now, listen. I'm not calling the church to activism. We are not making signs. I'm not holding, I don't have a bullhorn. I don't need one. I'm not holding a sign. I ain't got time to hold a sign this afternoon. I got time to take a nap. That's, that's all I got time for. But at the end of the day, I do believe God has given the church a voice. And we need to speak up in love, in love. But we need to speak up. Now, let me set this story up, and, and let, me, let me kind of show you why I believe this and where this conviction comes from. And there's several stories we could select from in the Scriptures, but the one I wanted to go with is Daniel. Daniel is an, he's in the Old Testament, has a whole book of the Bible named after him. Um, and in Daniel chapter 5, there's a description of Daniel that I wanted to point out before we really dive into the story because this, this really matters. Somebody is describing Daniel to somebody else, and this is how they describe Daniel. This is what they say about him. There is a man in your kingdom who has within him the spirit of the holy gods. Now, this is a pagan describing Daniel to another pagan. And she, it's a she that says this, says what she's essentially saying, she just doesn't have the spiritual language to say it, is that Daniel is filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a man in the kingdom, and he's a political leader, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm just kind of curious if we know any political leaders that are filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Oh, filled with some other, I mean, but, but, but filled with a Holy Spirit, all right? I'm, listen, I'm an equal opportunity offender. I will offend both sides of the aisle, probably. So the second thing we understand about Daniel is in Daniel chapter 1, Daniel had a really cool job lined up right out of college pretty much. He was set to become a leader in Israel. He was one of the brightest. He had, he had highest SAT scores. He ranked number one in his class. But then here's the problem. Babylon invaded and burned Jerusalem to the ground, which that's going to ruin future plans. And what they would do is they would go into these nations and invade, and they would take the brightest kids, bring them to essentially re-education camps. So they march Daniel across two deserts. They get him to Babylon. They get him settled. Many scholars believe he, they forced him to become a eunuch, which you think you got problems at your job. I mean, <laughs> we got people freaking out about vaccine mandates. How would you like it if you went to work tomorrow and they said, you know what, Frank, glad you're here. Today, we got a eunuch mandate. <laughs> I would be like, I am unemployed right now. Some of you don't know what a eunuch is. If you'll find our youth pastor, Cole, and after the service, he'll be in the lobby. He would love to explain to you. He, it's, he just loves that stuff. He loves it. Anyway. And if your teenager's with you, just send your teenager up to Cole. He's a student pastor. That's what he does. My God. Anyway, so (laughs) he was sitting right there in that last service. He's like, why do you do that to me? I'm like, because you ask me that question every time. So so Daniel's in a a government position, and he's a Christian, and he's got three other friends that that are from the same background, and they take a stand for Jesus in like chapter 1. You can go read Daniel chapter 1 if you didn't do it already. Now we're going to pick up the story in Daniel chapter 2, and this story is so insane that we're literally going to go through it verse by verse because if I didn't read it out of the Bible, you would think I'm making it up. Here we go. Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. One night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar, now let me, Nebuchadnezzar was the king. They had like the king, he was like the dictator, like whatever he said went. Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. How many of you ever had a dream like that? So bad you couldn't go, you couldn't go back to sleep. How many of you ever had a dream? This is mostly the ladies. Ladies, you got in a, no, I'm, I'm just being honest. You, in the dream, you got in an argument with your husband. And you woke up mad at your husband. He was like, it was a dream. But you said this. It's a freaking dream. Has that ever happened? I just, okay, I'm not alone. All right, so, so this happened. He had a dream and he couldn't speak. Now, in the scriptures, all through the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, God spoke to, to people through dreams and visions. He would speak to people through dreams and visions. They couldn't just go pull their Bible off the shelf. He, this is how he spoke. And he, he didn't just speak to Christians. He spoke to non-Christians in dreams and visions. By the way, just so I can put my cards on the table so you know where I stand, I believe God still speaks in dreams and visions. God has spoken to me in dreams and visions. I don't believe every dream is from God. It, it, I dreamed this. What does it mean? It probably means you should lay off the crown before you go to bed, all right? That's, I used pizza for the early service. With this service, I could use crowns. So that's probably what it means. But I believe God still speaks through dreams and, and, and visions. But this, this, this gets a little crazy. Watch what happens. 
He called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers. So this is kind of like the cabinet. This is like his, his main people. These are like the people that help him lead. Now, he's ultimately the guy that's going to like call the shots, but he's got like the cabinet. So he calls in the cabinet, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. Don't lose sight of that. That's very important. As they stood before the king. He said, I have had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. So he's got a problem, calls in his cabinet. They're going to figure this out. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, long live the king. Now, they didn't mean that, but that's just kind of like that thing that you say, because if you don't say it, you get your head chopped off. So long live the king. Kind of like, let's get together sometime, right? But you never pull out your phone. So long live the king. Tell us the dream, which, is this an unrealistic expectation? No. If you tell us the dream, just tell us the dream, king, and we will tell you what it means. And everything's going fine up until this point. Everything's going good. Everything's normal. But then Nebuchadnezzar uh, has a crazy moment. Here's what happens. But the king said to the astrologers, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was, the cabinet members are looking at you going, did he just say tell him what his dream was? I think he said. How are we supposed to know? I don't know. Just keep listening. He's talking. Just keep listening. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you will be torn limb from limb and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. No pressure. <laughs> can you believe this? Is, is this, can we all agree this is a bit insane, yes or no? Tell me what I dreamed. Oh, man. That's a, before you say anything, if you don't get it right, I'm going to tell your arms and your legs out of your sockets and I'm going to your house, and I'm tearing it down, and I'm killing everybody. Okay? No pressure. Is, is this a realistic expectation from Nebuchadnezzar? Yes or no? No. Can you believe that there was once upon a time the leader of a country who said things that absolutely made no sense? I'm just reading the Bible. <laughs> Tell me what the dream is. But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. Bit unrealistic. Agree, yes or no? Yes. They said again, please, your majesty, tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means. This is kind of like them saying, you crazy king, you stop it. Tell us that dream. You're being ridiculous. Don't be so, un just 
tell us the dream, and we will tell you. And this caused him to absolutely go psycho on these people. Watch what he said. Watch this. The king replied, I know what you're doing. You're stalling for time because you know I am serious when I say, if you don't tell me the dream, you are doomed. So you have conspired to tell me lies, hoping I will change my mind, but tell me the dream, and then I'll know that you can tell me what it means. This is insane. He is asking for something And the results are, if you don't give me what I'm asking for, you're going to die. This is what we call an overwhelming situation. Now, put politics aside for a second. There are people in this room, there are people watching online right now, that this week you've had an overwhelming situation. You had a phone call you didn't expect. You got a text message that still has you shook. You found out some information. There is something that maybe there's some anxiety going on. I don't know. But you have been in the middle of an overwhelming situation. And you're like, how in the world am I going to get through? And I'm so glad that you're here at this message because I believe you're going to find some encouragement. This guy is asking for something unrealistic. So the astrologers replied to the king. Finally, they were like, somebody, somebody, okay, fine, 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 fine. I'll say something. I'll say something. Y'all just sit there. I'll say something. Astrologers replied to the king, no one on earth can tell the king his dream. You have lost your mind. And no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. Hello? And then they go on to say, the king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream. And they do not live here among the people. They were all looking at each other going, yeah, you tell him, give me that fist bump, but don't give it below the table, told the king. See how he responds to this. I told him, told him the truth. What you got, Neb? (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar had something for him. Watch this. The king was furious when he heard this, and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. Just want to throw a couple questions out there. Question number one, is this a political decision, yes or no? Yes. Some people are like, oh, it's a spiritual decision. Okay, spiritual, everything's spiritual, I get that. But this is a political decision. It's a decision made by an administration that based on unrealistic expectations, hundreds, possibly thousands of people are going to die. That's the decision that is made. Now, some people are thinking, it's what you're trying to compare it to. I'm not trying to compare it to anything this week. Next week. I mean, if you're tense this week, seriously, you might want to pop a Valium before you show up next week. I am not advocating illegal drug use. I'm just saying, call your physician. Dear God. Is this a political decision? Here's my second question. Is Daniel affected by this decision, yes or no? Yes. But he's a Christian. 
Do you know that being a Christian does not protect us from irrational or ridiculous decisions made by either local, state, or national government leaders? We can't pull ourselves into a Christian cocoon and pretend that policy and procedure made by government does not affect us. We may have been able to do it under the, under the auspice of being a coward for years, king offender right here, but no more. Now, now some people would go, well, Perry, we're talking about America, and America's not really a Christian nation, and and we weren't really founded on Christian principles. Well, first of all, I, one of the things I love to do is study history. Our nation is unapologetically rooted in Judeo-Christian values. Unapologetically rooted. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you that there is so much documented evidence, but you might be the person that still wants to push back and go, but we're not claiming to be a Christian nation, and we can't say anything about the policies. Here's my pushback. Babylon wasn't a Christian nation. At best, we can find four Christians in the whole nation. Not the city, not the state, the nation. Just because somebody wants to stand up and go, we're, we're, not, a, we're not a Christian nation, it, it, maybe, maybe, maybe that's the problem. Maybe Christians have been silent for way too long. All right, hold on. Hold on, it gets better, I think. And because of the king's dream, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. So you're Daniel. You doing your Christian thing? You just went and got some Christian chicken at Chick-fil-A? <laughs> got your little... Fish on the back of your Christian car, got your cross, got like a cross tattoo somewhere on you just to offend the people that are so heavenly minded they're no earthly good. And all of a sudden, here comes the government showing up. And you go, what's up, guys? Y'all probably here to take more money, aren't you? Because that's usually what the government wants to do all through Scripture. I'm just I'm not saying about anything now. I'm just saying in the Scriptures. And they go, no, actually, we're here to kill you. Oh, well, my day just got sucktastic, like right there. <laughs> the government made a decision that was going to cost thousands of people their lives. Daniel has a choice. Daniel can take the easy route out and go, you know, I'm a Christian. Christians shouldn't get involved in politics, so I'm just going to pray for my brothers and sisters that are struggling. He can do that, and he dies. And so do thousands of other innocent people. Or, or he can do this. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, come, came to kill them, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. How does he do that? If somebody shows up at my house to kill me, I'm not showing wisdom 
and discretion. I just go ahead and tell you all, I don't get alarmed. I mean, I'm, I'm fine, but this happened to me this morning. Somebody showed up to do me harm this morning at my house. I, I can't believe I can talk about it already. I'm not making this up. So walking my dogs, went out the back door, and this massive spider. <laughs> Y'all, I'm not making this up. It was the biggest web I'd ever seen. This web could have trapped Bigfoot. And I almost walked into it. Have you ever walked into a spider web? <laughs> you, you just think you're not Pentecostal until you walk into a spider web. You'd be like, I am good. <laughs> Somebody will come along and interpret it. It's great. I did not handle this with wisdom and discretion. What'd you do, Pastor P? Well, I said it, then I did it, if you know what I'm saying. All right. How does he do this? How does he show wisdom? In we, I didn't say you, I said we don't do this if somebody leaves a negative comment on our Facebook page. Do we look at that comment and go, let me use wisdom and discretion to respond to this ignoramus? No, we, we I, I don't do this a lot. And this for a reminder, the, the reason Daniel could show wisdom and discretion is because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. See, a Christian who has a political opinion does not have to be mean. Let me say it again. A Christian who has a political opinion doesn't have to be mean. We can actually engage in civil conversation with wisdom and discretion if we're filled with the Spirit of God. He's the key to all of this. A person filled with the Spirit and wisdom and discretion, that's a person I want to listen to. Now, do we know any political leader in Washington, D.C. that's filled with wisdom and discretion? I can tell you what I think they're full of most of the time. Oh, ne ne mm, next week. Next. Mm. Move. He asked Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch told him all that had happened. It's okay to ask questions. What? So, so he wants all the wise men killed? Okay, that, that's fine. Just put the sword down for just, just put it down, put it down. Why did that happen? Just help me understand. It's, it's great when we can actually enter conversations and ask the other side to help us understand what they're saying rather than just attacking them. Because he could have looked at Ariok and said, You idiot! It's the dumbest thing ever. And then his head falls off because he got like sliced with a sword. So watch this. Daniel went at once to see the king. And requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Did Daniel, filled with the Spirit, get involved in a political situation? Yes or no? Yes. He could have, stay, he could have stayed in his house and prayed for the bad to go away. And you know what? The bad doesn't just go away. Daniel 
took a stand. He went in before the king and he said, I know what you're asking for is impossible, but if you'll just give me some time, it'll, I, I, one way or another, it's going to get handled. And Daniel wasn't saying this because he thought he was great. He knew that God was great and God had greater plans for him and his friends and the nation. And he wasn't going to let this one king's bad moment ruin the whole thing. So he was like, hey, give me. Daniel got involved in politics as a fully devoted follower of God. And then, then this is what's crazy, he got the church involved. Which I said this before, but I'll say it again. People want to call separation of church and state. That simply tells me you have not read the Constitution because that phrase is nowhere in the United States Constitution. And if you can find it, I'll give you a thousand bucks cash. It's not in there. It's not in there. It's people that are afraid of Christian values that scream that all the time. There is no separation of church and state in the Constitution. In fact, one of the reasons I think we're having so many problems in America is the state and the church have separated. It's time to get them back together, I believe. All right? So, so watch what he does. Then Daniel went home and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, what had happened. Now, we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. By the way, in Daniel chapter 3, they were involved in a political situation where King Nebuchadnezzar built a golden idol and said, everybody bow, and everybody bowed except them. Christians standing for what's right when everybody else bowed down. Huh. We, uh. Daniel got the church involved. I think the church not only has a right, but has an obligation to speak to the situations that are affecting our daily lives. I think we speak the truth in love. I think we do it with wisdom and discretion. But at the end of the day, I don't think God has called us to hide in a corner and apologize for having an opinion on what's going on in the world. You know what one of the biggest problems is in today's world? It's, it's not that we, none of us have opinions, is there are too many people that are too scared to stand up and say what they believe because they're afraid of getting canceled. They're afraid of getting a negative comment. I'm here to tell y'all as the pastor of this church, I lived in fear for far too long. I can tell you that this church is going to stand on what God's word said. We're going to unapologetically declare what God's word said. We're going to speak the truth. We're going to speak the truth and love, but we will not back down and hide in a corner when so many people's lives are going to be impacted by ridiculous policies that both sides have made in the past. It's time that the church actually begins to speak up. Nobody's censoring you. What if I get kicked off to Twitter? By the way, Twitter is the garbage dump of, um, of social media. What if I get kicked off of Twitter? What if I get kicked off of Facebook? Nobody is censoring you. The greatest form of censorship in America today is self-censorship because we fear the opinion of man more than we fear the opinion of God. Daniel gets the church involved. Peter, how, how do you call that the church? Well, there were four Christians in the country. Daniel went and found the other three and said, guys, 
We got a choice. Die or get involved. Easy choice, isn't it? He urged them to ask the God of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of Babylon. Don't miss this. This is what I love about the whole passage. And, and by the way, what I'm about to share with you, I didn't see it until I was preaching it in the last, in the last, um, in the last service because this was powerful. They didn't just pray for, hey, God, deliver us four and no more. They prayed for all the other wise men of Babylon. They even prayed for the non-Christians to not be killed. Their heart was not just in self-preservation. Their heart was for the community that they lived in. And that's my hope and my prayer, that Anderson, South Carolina will be a better place to live because Second Chance Church is in this community and we're not scared to stand up and speak out for the people that are in the room and the people that are not in the room. That we will speak up for the people that are not heard. We will speak up for the people that are silenced. We will speak up for the people that are marginalized. We will speak up for the people that everybody thinks they have nothing to say. But I'm telling you, you get a group of people filled with the Spirit of God, working for the purposes of God, with that group of people, nothing is impossible. Let me say this. You're here today, and take politics out of it for a second. You've got an overwhelming situation. You've got something that is weighing you down unlike anything in your life. And here's the thing that the devil is telling you. Don't tell anybody. And the reason he doesn't want you to tell anybody is so you can carry that struggle all by yourself. But understand something. The thing that is crushing you will never crush us as a church. What you can't handle on your own, we can handle as a body of believers. If we stand together, you get a group of people filled with the Spirit of God, living for the purpose of God, God always moves in that situation. Now watch what happens. Why This is so good. That night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. That's an understatement. I would have too. You know, either get a revelation or die. He gets the revelation. Now watch what happens. Watch what happens next because it's great. He, 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 does this little, he does this little praise thing and then we skip down to verse 24. Then Daniel went to see Arioch whom the king had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. Daniel said to him, don't kill the wise men. Don't kill them yet. Don't, no, 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 don't, don't kill them. Take me to the king, and I will tell him the meaning of his dream. Once again, does Daniel get involved in a political situation? Yes or no? Yes. And the reason he gets involved, it wasn't self-preservation. Is because he loved and cared for the thousands of people that were going to die if he did not speak up. Ariok quickly took Daniel the king and said, I have found one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. And can you see all the astrologers and all the wise men, everybody's standing around, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego standing around, everybody's tense. Daniel walks up in front of the king. And, 
And the king said to Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, is it true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? Was he skeptical? Of course he was. He is skeptical. Then Daniel replied, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. And everybody in the room went, what is he doing? I don't know. I thought he said, I thought he t- did he tell you? The dream? He didn't tell me the dream. He just told me he had the meaning of the dream. I don't know. Okay. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego probably over in the corner going, okay, you run for it. You, I'll tackle that guy. You just run. You just run. Because they're all freaking out because they thought Daniel had the meaning of the dream. But there is a God in heaven. Whoa, Daniel. Whoa. Not supposed to bring Christianity into politics. But Daniel didn't get that memo. He stood in front of a king who thought he was God and said, there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you the dream and the visions you saw as you lay in your bed. While your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. He who reveals secrets has shown you what is going to happen. And it is not because I am wiser than anyone else that I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart. Daniel, one of the only Christians in the government, goes in front of the king and says, let me tell you what God says. This is a powerful moment. And then he gets it right, which freaks Nebuchadnezzar out. And Nebuchadnezzar goes from a skeptic to a believer. Watch what he does. This is crazy. Then Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel and worshiped him. That's that's weird. Like, I've met some some strange people, but that's never happened. I've never walked in the door somewhere and people went, Pastor P, and just kind of fell down on the ground. I'd be like, okay, <laughs> shouldn't have came to Walmart today. Um, just, just saying. King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel and worshiped him, and he commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burn sweet incense before him. And Daniel's like, okay, I like this dream interpretation thing. Um, then the king said to Daniel, truly, your God is the greatest of gods the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal the secret. Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon as well as chief over all the wise men, over all his wise men. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon while Daniel remained in the king's court. Did it work out okay for Daniel? Yes. Oh, and by the way, it saved thousands of lives. I'm telling you, I'm sick and tired of being scared to death as a Christian leader, what people think about standing on the word of God. I'm, I'm telling y'all, it won't, we won't always be popular, but I gave up the idea of being loved by everybody about five years ago because that lifestyle sucks. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to make enemies because I have plenty of those on my own. I'm telling you, 
I am under conviction by the Holy Spirit of God that when it comes to issues in our society that's dominating the mindset of our people and causing anxiety and depression at record levels, this church will no longer be silent. If God has something to say, then we have something to say, and we will not be silenced or shut down by anyone or any platform. If they shut us down one place, we'll go to another, because at the end of the day, we're called to speak the truth in love. This is, but this is how it works, and I want you to see this. I want you to see this. This is how it works. It, it doesn't start with an agenda. It doesn't start with a declaration. It starts with the Spirit of God. Daniel was filled with the Spirit. The only way he navigates this incredibly difficult process is through the Spirit. The only way that you and I can truly have an impact in the world that we live in today, in our families, in our work environment, in our school, is being filled with the Spirit of God. What does it look like to be fully yielded to the Spirit of God. Spirit Spirit of the living God, have your way in me. What is that person? That's what I want for me. That's what I want for us. I want the Spirit of God and then you get the people of God. And and if the people of God are filled with the Spirit of God, man, I want to be in that place. I want this right here to be this place right here. I want this to be a place for the people who are filled with the Spirit of God gather together. And when we gather together, we don't gather together for self-preservation. We gather together for the purpose of God. God, we want your will to be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom on earth, Jesus. We're here not to promote what we want. Jesus, we're here to promote what you want because we're surrendered to you. And when you get the Spirit of God, filling the people of God, dedicated to the purpose of God, that's when we experience the blessings of God. That's when Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were promoted. Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny that earlier in the story that Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego could have thought they were being punished, but God took what the enemy was trying to punish them with and used it to promote them? Could it be that thing that you think is punishment in your life will one day be used to promote you to a level that you never would have gotten to had you not gone through that experience. Hey, five years ago, I thought I was living through punishment. But I'm here to tell you that God can use what you thought was punishment as promotion and take you to a whole nother level. He took Daniel to a whole another level. He wants to take us as individuals and a church to a whole nother level. So my question is how how submitted are you as an individual to the Spirit of God? And what what if our prayer was Spirit of the living God have your way in this place. Have your way in this place. What could God do with a group of people like that? I want to find out. Jesus, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for this group of people in the room. I want to thank you for the group of people watching online. 
And God, I pray that over these next few moments, as we reflect on your Holy Spirit in our lives, God, that we would absolutely surrender all of us. God, if if there's anything in our lives that we're holding back, that we would surrender it to you in spirit of the living God. May you fall in this place. May you fall on us over these next few moments as we reflect and sing and celebrate. May you do something so significant in our hearts over these next few moments. In Jesus' name I pray. Jesus, I want to thank you so much that you said when you left that you wouldn't leave us by ourselves, that if we're in this room and we're followers of you, Jesus, that your Holy Spirit lives in us. And I just pray, God, for myself and for us as individuals that we would simply be more surrendered to your Holy Spirit. With heads bowed and eyes closed right now all over this room, maybe that needs to be your prayer. Jesus, take more of me take more of me. May I be surrendered to your complete will for my life. Have the courage. If you're here today and you're that person that's undergoing that stressful situation and you feel like you're being crushed, we don't talk about it every week, but we have it every week. We got a, we got a care room set up full of volunteers that would love to meet you today, pray with you today, right now, today, in the service. All you got to do is step out of your aisle walk out the back doors, the exit doors. Care team volunteers will meet you there and they will they will pray with you and for you. And, they'll, and people are going. Don't even look and see if people are going because people are moving right now. If you need someone to pray with you over that situation, over that struggle, over that anxiety, over that depression, over that broken relationship, over that confusion, you go right now because these people showed up today to meet. So, listen, somebody's going to have a divine appointment today because it might crush you, but it will not crush us as a body of believers. Maybe you're here today and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life. And you know that's the step you need to take today. You need to ask Jesus to come into your life. You need to surrender your life to Christ. If that's you, then right where you stand right now, I want you to pray this in your heart. I just want you to pray, Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Come in and take over. I surrender everything to you. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed to receive Christ, if you just prayed that prayer, Do me a favor right now and shoot your hand straight up in the air because I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. If you're in the room, put it up, put it up real high. If you're online, put it up, put it up. You can do the hand raise emoji. Father, I want to thank you so much, Jesus, for the people that you saved today. I want to thank you so much, Jesus, for the courage that you give us as followers of Christ. Father, I want to thank you for the Holy Spirit of God who empowers us to do your will. Father, I want to thank you that we're not alone. I want to thank you that you're with us. You've never left us. You've never forsaken us. You have greater plans for us. I pray that, God, we as a church would always stand on your word and celebrate who you are. We love you, Jesus. We ask this in your name. Everybody that agreed said, 
Amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Man, me too. I can't wait to see y'all next week. God bless. Have a good one.